Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, welcome back, everybody, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 132 for April the 28th, 2018. And once again, I'm your host, Jack, and I'll guide you into, through, and back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administrations, and all fields of IT. Please check out my website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, and I know a lot of you do, and you're just too scared to send it in. I don't know why that is. You can email me simply by emailing jack at tipsfromtheserverroom.com or jackstechcorner at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and as at technoman. So, folks, this week was one of those weeks, you know, where where you really have to put your mind out there and really have to start thinking a little bit about, um, you know, what is going on in the world of technology or your world of technology, for that matter. Um, before we get to that, I forgot to mention, I don't know why I don't put this in my show notes. This uh, podcast is also recorded as a vidcast, and that video can be found at 4-2-Technoman on YouTube. The number four, the number two, Technoman on YouTube. If you go over there, please click the subscribe button. I do put all these in a playlist, so they're very easy to find. Uh, and I do appreciate all the uh, new subscribers going over to the channel. If you're into photography, you will find a ton of photography videos in there because I also teach photography and Photoshop elements on that YouTube channel. So with that said, why has this been such one of those weeks? You know, why has this been one of those weeks where... Uh, everything just seems to be crashing down around you. Well, this week, um, I, I got to learn a lot more, and I, and I think it's always a learning um, curve with what we do. If you're not willing to learn, and we've talked about this in the past, if you're not willing to learn something new uh, each day or at least one thing each week, you probably shouldn't be a technologist. You probably shouldn't be in this business, uh, unless you're doing the same thing every day. I mean, granted, some of us, you know, uh, we just work on computers each day, replacing network cards. There's really nothing new to learn, maybe except how to hold a screwdriver a different way. I don't know. Um, but, you know, if you're into the technology realm and you're a technologist, uh, not just, a, you know, one of the tech repair people, not that they're not needed and well welcomed in the industry. But as a technologist, we have to learn each day because you're going to get things to throw at you each and every day. So this week I received a call from a very, very frantic client. This client told me that one of his computers was hacked. And I asked him, how did you know that it hacked? You know, somebody hacked your computer. I mean, what's happening with it? Because we always get these calls. It's like, oh, I got a virus. Well, how do you know you have a virus? What's the computer doing? You know, what's the symptoms uh, that, that it's showing you? And, and just like this, why do you think the computer was hacked? And because hacked is a big word, right? Hacked is not one of those you know, things that you take lightly. It's it's something that's a, an emergency type of a call because you want to be very careful with that computer. 
Well, he told me that for some reason, uh, this company that is a small office, uh, he left the computer on overnight. And when he came into the office, it was not allowing him to get into the computer or access any of his files. So the basically, you know, he was telling me he clicked the start button, nothing would happen. And all the files had, you know, weird names to them. And so before I even uh, stepped foot in, in the car to go out there to visit uh, with this office, I told him the first thing, and put this in the back of your thinking caps, the first thing you have to do when this happens is unplug it from your network. Unplug it. If it's a laptop, disconnect the wireless connection and get it off your network. The reason is, years ago, I think we might have talked about this, back in, it must have been about 2001, uh, there was a virus around called the love bug virus. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, some of the older folks out there right now are shaking their heads saying, yep, Jack, I remember the love bug virus. It was one of those viruses that was actually a worm. Now, if you don't know the difference between a virus and a worm, a virus basically attacks the computer. A worm will find its way to every computer in your network. It has a way of slithering around and getting into all the network uh, computers, switches, whatever. Wherever it can affect, it will do so. Well, we had somebody open an email back then uh, at a private school that I was working with. And um, that's what we talked about before. We talked about budgeting a while back uh, about schools. Well, that private school, obviously, it's 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 a private school. Uh, it's a they call it a nonprofit, but they make like millions of dollars a year. You know how that works. But they cut the antivirus from the budget, which you know I was fighting it and I was arguing, but obviously I lost, right? Because um, I always say, if you're one of the pilgrims, sometimes the king can tell you it's not going to happen, and it didn't until the love bug virus bit. So I wasn't in the the actual facility where the love bug virus hit us. And what happened was somebody opened an email, uh, you know, clicked on a cute little attachment. Oh, look at these cute little kitties, uh, .exe. And when they did so, the love bug virus smacked their computer. Folks, it went through our network and our wide area network like unbelievable speeds. So once I did get the call and I was in a different facility, that facility that I was in, I actually broke the uh, the connection. At the time, I think we were using frame relay connections. We didn't have point-to-point -point fiber in different buildings uh, back then. So we had a frame relay connection. Well, I broke the, the basically the internet connection uh, from that location. So that way, that virus couldn't find that building anyway. And it saved that building, but we had four different locations to clean. And each computer, as we cleaned them, we took them off the network to clean them. And it was it was something because if you would take it off the network and clean it and plug it back in, it would get reinfected. So the first thing, if you feel your computer has been hacked or compromised in any way, get it off your network. Unplug it, like I said, or shut the wireless off if it's a wireless laptop or, or what have you. Once I told him that, I said, fine. I said, I'll get in the car. I'm going to pack up my tool belt, you know, my, my handy-dandy uh, bat belt. Uh, anybody remember Batman? I've been watching some of those old episodes on, um, what's it called now, Antenna TV. Uh, they got the old, the old, old Batman, right? They had the bat belt. So you picked up your bat belt with all your external hard drives in there, your thumb drives and your trusty dandy-dandy tools sets. And I headed out to go to this office. So I went out to the office and I found there was a program running on the computer that was preventing access to the machine. And 
since this is a small office, there's really not a lot of firewall logs to check, and we're going to touch on that here in a little bit. So I really couldn't see what happened to this actual machine. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, the only thing I have is is basically my diagnosis at the time is I can see what's going on, and now I have to fix it. So let's see here. Um, uh, where did I go to now? Okay. So as I said, we're going to talk a little bit just briefly about checking firewall logs. Now, if you're in the uh, or if you have the abilities to check the firewall logs, uh, go into your firewall. You know, this computer is disconnected now, but we want to find out if you have the IP address for that computer. Go into the firewall logs and start uh, scanning your firewall logs. I don't know what firewall you have. Um, I know the firewalls that's in this particular location is just, you know, just a little small unit and there's really not a lot of logs. But if you have a good Cisco firewall, like a 5525, uh, 50, what's the other one, 5500, 5510 ASA, you have a really good shot at getting in there and getting those log files and seeing what was attacked, what time did it happen, where did, maybe where did it come from, because you're going to have the source IP address. Chances are of you tracking that down and going and knocking on a door like knocking on somebody's door is pretty much slim to none. It's probably not going to happen because most good hackers these days, you know, use um, like what's that called? The onion browser or they use ways to jump their IP address all over the world and they never can be traced back to the originating uh, computer that they are using. So if that happened, maybe not. But what I was looking, you know, what I was wanting to find out was, did it come from outside? That's what you want to know. Is this something that came from outside? And if you can pinpoint it, then you can at least say what happened to that computer. Because if you can find a direct connection from the outside in, let's say it was at 2 a.m. when this gentleman was fast asleep. And you see that there was multiple connections to that machine at 2 a.m. Chances are, pretty good chances, it was actually hacked. If you cannot find any outside connections to that machine, chances are it was not hacked. Something happened to the machine itself, whatever that could have been. I mean, who knows what happens to a computer. And just to put it out there to you, this is a Windows 10 machine, and there is Windows Defender running on the machine. So everything is running as it should be. The client told me that someone came in, one of his buddies that, you know, knows computers, you know, hey, I play, you know, World of Warcraft on my computer, whatever. I know all about computers. Well, he knew enough about setting up remote desktop. And apparently this guy did this at home, so he gets his home computer from his, you know, his uh, job or whatever he was doing. And he set up the forwarding address. So remote desktop, he set up with a forwarding address on you know the home router so look at your home router and you can do this very easily you put your IP address in there your outside IP address and you map it to your inside device so it's basically a straight through path there's nothing stopping it there's no firewalling in between of that path so it's pretty much I call it hanging RDP naked right remote desktop protocol naked it's out there in the world for anybody to scan and anybody to find and grab that once they have that, then they can start making multiple connections and start brute forcing your passwords to try to get into that machine. Well, 
That was the whole issue with the wide open RDP connection. Again, with nothing stopping anybody from getting into that machine. So think about that. And I think we talked about this a while back. A few of you emailed me and really uh, kind of blasted me because I try to balance ease of use um, or, you know, you don't want to make it so incredibly hard for people to use the computer and make it so many different loops to jump through. And a lot of you blast me and, you know, I appreciate it. I need smacked around too every now and then. It's not a bad thing. It's okay. But what we were talking about then was, you know, should you change your password every 30 days, every 15 days, every 90 days, once a year, you know, uh, when you're setting this stuff up and probably should be changing your password more often than not. But if somebody's going to brute force password, if they're going to brute force and you have a password like I love my cat or, um, you know, uh, if somebody knows you and you drive a red car and you put in there, you know, red BMW, then chances are they're going to figure out your password. So, yeah, we talked about that a little bit and being able to kind of secure it a little bit more. But he had a wide open connection to that machine. So he asked me, he said, did my friend do something wrong? And I told him he should have called me about this project. I've been working with this client for years and years, and we've worked back and forth with different projects and different things. And there's times I understand he'll say, well, Jack, I didn't want to bother you. That's the worst thing I hate to hear from a client. I, I hate to hear, I don't want to bother you. So I kind of took it upon myself to do it. That would be like me telling my mechanic, you know, I tried changing my transmission myself because I didn't want to bother you. Um, no, because I don't know transmissions. I don't know how to work on my car. And that's why I have this guy called a mechanic because he knows everything about my car. Just like we talked before about my plumber. If, if something's leaking, I have him on speed dial. I call him up and he comes to the house and he fixes it. I pay him and it saves me a lot of money in the end because if I try doing it, it's going to be a disaster. By the time I try to fix a le leaky pipe, they're going to probably have to replace half of my plumbing. So, so that's something to think about, right, in the long run. Be very careful about what you can tackle on your own. So um, let's see. But I basically told him, I said, you know, I said, no. I Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your friend actually caused you damage. He actually didn't help you. I mean, he didn't pay his friend, so there's nothing... He's not going to sue his friend, obviously, for trying to help him out. I mean, come on, folks. We try to help each other out all the time as much as possible. But I said him trying to save you a couple dollars is not going to cost you some more money because now I have to spend time rebuilding that machine, right? I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to format the hard drive, reload Windows 10, reload Office, <clears throat> excuse me, build up all of his programs on there uh, that he has to have and get that machine working back to uh, the normal order. And I said, so it would have saved you if you would have just called me because we, we would have done this. We could have gave you your, your remote desktop connection. But in a very, very, very secure way. And, you know, we could have made it a piece of cake. It would have been fine. So... Here's the first thing I'm going to tell you about with uh, working for clients. And this particular client, like I said, I worked with them, you know, a while back. And um, I could have missed it. I probably did. I, maybe I didn't do it. But what I try to do now is, and I think it's very important, as cheap as external hard drives are, if you're building out systems for any business, so you go in, the business has six computers, maybe 10 computers. 
And they're basically all set up basically the same way, right? Windows 10 with um, – they have uh, Office, whatever Office version they have on there. They may like to use Chrome. They may not, whatever. Whatever you're going to build that base system with and then take an image of that computer. Take an image, put it on your hard drive, name it. You know, I always make a folder now. I name it the company name, and I put their image in there. If there's two different builds or two different uh, setups the way they like their computers, maybe you have a laptop line and a desktop, maybe I'll make an image also of the laptop just to have that for safekeeping. And most of their files anyway were stored in the cloud, so we're not worried about their files as much as we were worried about the actual computer itself. So that brought me up to another point that I, I had to ask because when I work on people's computers nowadays, uh, it's not like it was years ago. Years ago, you would keep everything on your hard drive. Okay, most things would be on your desktop, right, on the actual desktop screen. And they would remote into that computer to maybe work on a presentation or to do something, uh, get a document maybe. Um, so the thing I have to ask today, though, if all your stuff is in the cloud, why are you remoting into your office anyway? The idea of cloud-based computing is access from anywhere on any device at any time. And if we can have that access anywhere at any time on any device, why in the world would you remote back into that desktop computer? And this isn't, like I said, Office 2016. Uh, they do have their Office 365 account. I said, and everything's on their OneDrive, why wouldn't you just log in and simply worry about uh, doing this through Office 365 online? You could have done whatever you need to do. So, And then he kind of stopped and looked at me and goes, Jack, that's a really good question. I don't know why. He said, I guess I'm so used to working on my Office computer, I like to remote in because I know how the desktop's laid out, and, and, and we get it. We understand how that works. Uh, but once I explained about Office 365 and said, look, remember... I told you in the past that you can always log into this and go into a web page and have access to all your, you know, all your files and be able to work on those. And he was very happy with that. So, um, but, you know, at times, I guess you still want to remote in to that computer. So I told him what I was able to do was I said, your router, I looked at his router and I can't remember the model of it right now, but it did have an ability to have a VPN connection. He said, well, what's a VPN? How's a VPN going to help me? And this is just one of those tips going out there too because there's so various, uh, so many various people that listen to this, this podcast is that uh, we have people that are that, I call it the accidental techie. They didn't go to school for technology, but they're in their office and they said, hey, uh, somebody sees that they can do Excel spreadsheets really well. Next thing you know, they're running their servers. So what a VPN is, is a virtual private network. And what it allows us to do is basically the best way I can explain it to you is to build a tunnel, a private tunnel between your computer anywhere in the world and on any network and your office network back to that, that router or that firewall or whatever VPN uh, device you are using. What that allows us to do is to get into that. Once you connect into that through VPN, you are getting handed an address from your local area network at your office. So think of it as running a long cable home from your office, a long network cable, and plugging it into your computer. You basically have a direct connection. I do it all the time. It's, it's 
really, really nice for me to be able to do that and uh, work on like switches or networking gear and not have to go to someone's office. I can simply VPN into their box and I'm in. And there's a lot of other ways to do this. Um, you can use, you know, any number of the different, um, we talked about remote desktop um, support clients a few weeks ago. You can use any one of those and you can remote into one of the office computers and have access. But I do find that the tools and everything I use, I like to have on my own computer and that's in my home office. So if I can VPN onto your, you know, into your network, it makes it really nice to turn my computer into one of your network machines. And it works extremely, extremely well. So that is what a VPN connection does. So I set up a VPN client on his laptop and I showed him how to connect. It's basically you just click a button, you click connect, everything's preset in there. Once you connect up, away you go. Uh, you're on your own network. So you don't have to have that outside address mapped into the inside to get to your RDP or to that machine. Now you are cutting down your, your possibilities. You're not eliminating your possibilities. You are cutting down your possibilities of being hacked onto any of your computers because you have to VPN to get to your network. It's just a really, really nice way to do that. So I showed him. And then he was able to open up the RDP and he goes, wow, this, this is really uh, nice. And now remember the speed and the overall speed of the network connections is based on your internet speed of wherever you are. So um, I've been in a lot of hotel rooms, I'm sure you have also, that you think, what is this internet connection? Do they have dial-up downstairs in the office? So you have to worry about that a little bit, your internet speed, um, because I... <laughs> I've had people before say, well, Jack, if we have 10 gig of internet coming into our building or a gigabit internet coming in our building, shouldn't it be a gigabit connection? No, no, not if you have a 20 megabit connection at home. You're not going to be able to get, you know, a 10 gigabit connection back to the office. You're going to be limited to that 20 megabyte or megabit, whatever it's going to be. So remember that. So it could be a little sluggish, but it works very well. Uh, you know, the remote programs we talked about a few weeks ago, I think they seem to work better because they're drawing their screens out basically is all you're doing is bringing that screen back instead of all those files. So just something to think about. Put that in the back of that thinking cap of yours. So now once this was all done and what I did was once I got the computer rebuilt and reset up, what I wanted to do was, it dawned on me, it's, you know, one of those times the light bulb just goes off in your head. Like, okay, Jack, I need to think about this to make this computer even safer. And because, let's face it, every computer we have today is pretty much going to be set up on the Internet. So we want to make that computer as safe and secure as possible, but still make it as usable as practical and make it easy for the, the user to use that, that particular computer. So what I did was I found a free port scanner. I don't have the name of it right now. I will look it up uh, once I'm done recording this show. And I will take that and I'll put it in the show notes. On uh, It will be both on the, the YouTube video as well as the podcast at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. You'll find a link. But I downloaded a port scanner. And what I wanted to do was scan that computer to see what ports were open. Now, on a computer... We know as a technologist, right, that you have many, many, many ports. There's ports for everything on there. Turn the ports off that you truly don't need. 
And you can get this list anywhere on the internet. You can get a list of all the TCP IP ports and, you know, find out exactly what you need open because there's a lot of ports in there that a hacker can use to come through your network and get right into that particular box. So be careful with what ports you have open. And I don't know Windows 10. I, I didn't, I probably should have investigated this a little bit or researched it before I did this show, but I don't know if they have a set of default ports that are open or not. I'm not really sure about that, but that's something you can check on. Just do a search for Windows 10 default ports and then work your way back. You know, like, do you need port 21 open for FTP? Probably not because you're not going to FTP into that box. So there's a lot of stuff you can dig around and look at with a port scanner. It, it works uh, very, very well. So I will put that in the show notes. I can tell you if you use a Mac, there is one on the Mac uh, called Network Utilities, and it has a built-in port scanner. Um, it it works very well. I do like to use that on my Mac when I'm uh, out and about in the areas and working with folks just to uh, scan their server and see what ports are running on there. You know, sometimes you just need to shut them down. If you don't need it, turn it off. Here's the next big part of it a lot of people miss, and, and I do a lot of consulting work. Uh, people call me up to look at their firewall configurations, uh, and I don't know I don't know why that is. My name just got thrown around out there for so many years about being the firewall guy. Like, uh, oh, Jack can see something that most people don't see. A firewall configuration is a living, breathing thing. It, it's, it's living and breathing as your network around you. And the reason I say that, go in your wiring closet right now, any wiring closet in your business, and I guarantee you that you're going to have beautiful wiring coming down, and then you're going to have a couple of stragglers hanging around that wire rack plugged in. They may not even be in a patch panel. They may just have an RJ45 on it, and they're plugged right into the switch. That's a living, breathing network, folks. It happens. We take once a year. We get all that cleaned back up again. It will grow. And if it's growing, that's great because you know what that means? That means your business is growing. The chance of you ever getting laid off or let go are pretty slim to none because they need you because it's a growing business. Well, the same thing happens with firewalls. We have, and I've been through um, our work firewall multiple times. I, I go through there and I check for things because uh, the last uh, tech director was there and you know, did a very good job firewalling and opening ports to certain uh, applications inside that had to have access from the outside world. But some of those applications are gone now. Um, sometimes like you may have a finance software, like you may be using, I don't know, for instance, I don't know. Uh, let's say you, let's just say for some reason you have QuickBooks and your database is uh, on their end, maybe at, at the QuickBooks headquarters, I don't know. So you have a couple ports open. One time we had software that we had to, well, I had, I had to open ports. Um, you know, uh, we talked about this before, kind of uh, um, rest their souls now because they have nobody that knows how to do that at that particular location. But the company asked me to open ports so we can actually have uh, printing, remote printing. So you'd be printing on a uh, basically a, um, a website and it had to go to their server and send it back to us to print like to a desktop printer or whatever. So that was set up. But what's, let's say a year from now, you, you're not paying for the application no more. Do you really still want that company, whatever company that is, to have access to your network, whatever access that may be? No. You want to go in there and delete those lines out of your config files in your firewalls. And as I'm talking to you right now, today, whenever you're listening to this or watching this video, maybe a good time for you to go and 
pull that config file off that firewall of yours in your office and have a look at it and see you know how it looks. Um, if you're having any trouble with that, and if you would like another set of eyes, because I've also found this. I found many times that I will set up a firewall. Let's say I, I put a line in and you know, or I'm not sure of something. Sometimes another set of eyes can't hurt. So if you're not sure of your firewall configuration, message me and uh, get a hold of me. And we will set up some way uh, of, of uh, a payment because I do a lot of outside work. And we'll set it up, and you can get me your firewall configs. I will look them over and make some recommendations and make sure that you are secure. That's very important. So, But the biggest thing with firewalls is, you know, a lot of companies I go through and I work on their fire. The easiest opening of a firewall is like we talked about earlier, is that direct static connection, right, one-to-one. And they say we want any outside, uh, anybody from the outside getting to any application on that server. And any application on that server can get to anywhere on the outside. Okay? The second one is okay. It, it is. It's fine. If you if you want, you don't have to do that. I usually narrow it down a little bit tighter than that. But if I want any application on my particular computer, server, network, whatever... To access anything on online, that's fine. But when you're bringing traffic in, when you're bringing unknown people in, if you have a web server, only set up port 80. If you need port 8080, that's fine. You can do that for, for an additional port. But if you do not, don't open up any because now you're saying, look, you can get to our RDP servers. You can get to all this different stuff, especially if those ports are open. On those back-end computers. See again now. Look, Listen back to this podcast if you missed that. About scanning your ports and knowing what's open and what's closed. Because if you have it closed on that computer, on that server. It's just another obstacle for the hacker to get through. Not that they won't. Because hackers are very good at what they do. Either white hat or black hat. They, they, they've learned this stuff and they know how to get through to whatever they need to get through to. But I have found if you only allow traffic to port 80 you're going to make that box a lot more secure and make that network traffic coming through there only going to that service on that particular server or computer or box or whatever that is. If you do RDP, I can't remember what that was. We used to do RDP years ago. Was it 5589 or 589? might have been 5589. That number seems to stick in my head for some reason, but you can search it and you can open up that port for just RDP if you want to do that. I would highly suggest you never hang RDP out there on, on a public network, a public address. Ever, ever, never, ever do that. Um, you know, use the remote desktop or remote uh, support tools we talked about in the past couple shows ago. If you didn't catch those, you can go back and listen to that show. I'm not sure what show it's in, but that's very easy to find because I, I name these so they, they, they make sense uh, to you, I hope anyway. So check that out and maybe use those tools because then you don't have to open up any ports uh, except like port 80 has to be open to be able to get to it and it will work quite fine. Those tools are pretty amazing. Or as I said earlier, make a VPN connection. That would also help you out. So, you know, just be safe. Be careful out there um, because you're going to get one of these calls one day. Somebody's going to call you and say, hey, Artie, I got this problem. My computer says all the files are have been... Uh, ramsacked and I didn't do anything and you're going to have to go out there and make these you know these determining factors uh, on your own there so 
All right, folks. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this show today as much as I have enjoyed recording it. Um, you know, I love talking through this stuff and, you know, even writing the show notes because it helps me to always remember that pathway that I use when I follow a client or when I follow an issue within our network or our servers. And it helps me to stay on task, I think. And and I love telling you folks about it because maybe it'll help you stay on task also, right? It can't hurt. Um, thanks for the great comments coming through on the um, – I enjoyed the comment. I can't remember your name. On the YouTube channel, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. I do wish that some of you would get more questions in here. Don't be shy. Uh, you don't have to record them or anything. Just drop me a simple email. I'll read it. That's not a problem. And uh, maybe I can help you, and I'm sure it will help other people out there. Folks, please remember to use my Amazon link when you buy anything from Amazon because it helps these shows to bring back some money to keep my sites secure to help pay for the the bandwidth we need to upload these shows, uh, you know, uh, our internet connections here in the office, and whatever else. It doesn't cost you anything. If you go to tipsonserverroom.com, click on that link, and then purchase whatever you're buying anyway from Amazon, I would greatly appreciate it. Folks, if you want to learn Windows Server 2012 R2, now's the time. Go to jtclearning.com. That's jtclearning.com. Sign up today and Start learning immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to sign up and say, oh, Jack's going to start this course you know, uh, in June. No, it doesn't work that way. These courses are set up so you start learning immediately. I've had a ton of students in there, as I still have a ton of students in there. Once you sign up, you're in there for life. So we'll, we'll never delete your account. And you'll always have access to that material when something comes up, like setting up a DNS server, um, you know, uh, setting up IP addresses, Maybe uh, reserving IP addresses, um, you know, setting up secure files, setting up all that different stuff that's in there. You'll always have access when that question arises. You can just go back and go right back in and you'll be good to go. So check those out at jtclearning.com. I wish that you would sign up and I do appreciate that. Folks, again, thanks for listening, downloading, subscribing to the show. Thanks for the great comments and emails we do receive. I do appreciate all those and um we will be talking to you next week right here from Tips from the Server Room. Bye-bye for now, everybody. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long. <laughs>